What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, a special edition of Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, and we're having a time right now as the Denver Nuggets and the rest of the NBA are extremely busy. Uh, things are moving. Things are moving very fast. My apologies if I don't keep up with just about everything. And it looks like, I mean, things are just moving, man. It's going to be a lot of fun to see how this goes, but we are doing a trade deadline special right now. I'm going to go for about an hour to 90 minutes or so. We're going to have a lot of fun with this. We're going to do a lot of commentary, a lot of comments from the chat. And yep, we are already hopping in. Uh, Bree, what is going on? Two seconds, says Chris. Uh, That's a fair assessment, I think, on this trade. Lots of folks are very confused. Lots of folks are wondering what the hell is going on with this trade and with everything. But we're going to talk about it all. We are going to share as all of this stuff goes down. I'm going to be looking over to my right a whole bunch because I'm trying to track everything, trying to make sure I don't miss anything crazy. Uh, The Denver Nuggets are, uh, are pretty much done, I think. I think they are done for today, and they've made two trades. We are going to see how this goes uh, for for the rest of this, but with everything that happened with Kevin Durant uh, being traded during last night in the dead of night, it was kind of crazy to see that. That was pretty crazy, but with the Denver Nuggets, we now have a couple of trades that we can talk about. We have a couple of things that we can go over. We're going to do some commentary. We're going to have a whole heck of a lot of fun with this. First of all, let's talk about Thomas Bryant. Let's talk Thomas Bryant as the Denver Nuggets acquire him from the Los Angeles Lakers for Davon Reed, a 2025 second, a 2026 second, and a 2029 second round pick. The Nuggets are doing well with this deal. They absolutely did. And I really think that this is going to help Denver. This is first and foremost. I know a lot of people want to talk about Bones. We'll get to Bones in just a little bit. This is what I had on first. Uh, let's actually, let's throw up that graphic there on, on that. Um, if we possibly can. There it is. Let me uh, let me hide this banner now. That looks a little weird. There it is. Bones Highland, or no, not Bones. Oh, God. Thomas Bryant, that's the one. He gets traded to the Denver Nuggets for Davon Reed and those three second round picks. Going to be very interesting to see what the Nuggets do with this move, but I think that this is a good move for Denver. I think that this is a good trade. I know that a lot of people were wondering, okay, well, are they going to get wings? Are they going to get guys to match up with Kevin Durant? So now that he's at Phoenix, oh my gosh, this is crazy. But at this point, I think that Denver is in a pretty good spot. I think that they are a team that uh, I think that they're a team that needed a backup center that needed to do something with that backup center spot. Just because I, I think Zeke Naji not necessarily the most reliable from a, a minutes perspective, not necessarily the most reliable from a uh, consistency perspective in, in in what he's actually going to do from game to game. Uh, but I do think that this is going to be very, very helpful for Denver. As you can see, numbers on the bottom of the screen. Thomas Bryant averaged 12 points, nearly seven rebounds a game in just 21 minutes for the Lakers so far this year. And I do think that we're at this point now where, I mean, Denver's Denver's done great. They did great with this first move. And that's all you can really ask for. Uh, let's go back to the other screen. Um, 
Okay. We and by the way, Michael Ferraro in the background, he's been my super producer here. I, I want to give him a lot of credit. Without him, I would not be able to do this at all. Uh, but no, we are we are in a good spot. And if you think about what Denver has needed for this regular season, a backup center has been a guy that I think Denver could really have used. Thomas Bryant is that. Thomas Bryant is a big body. He's going to be super helpful for Denver, especially during the rest of the regular season. And then the minutes for Jokic are going to go up and the minutes for Bryant are going to go down in the playoffs. But that's okay because as long as you have those, whatever they are, 12 to 15 good minutes that Thomas Bryant can always play in a postseason context, that's all you need. That's all anybody needs. That was probably Denver's biggest hole in their rotation. And I'm glad that they. it looks like they filled it. So that's the most important thing as we get into it. He was a guy who killed Denver in a, a couple of times. He was definitely a guy who I think Denver really struggled with his physicality, with his ability to shoot efficiently. Now, his defense is not very good. That is something that the Nuggets are going to struggle with for sure. But it would not surprise me in the slightest if the Nuggets uh, get a nice boost from their bench lineup. I think that Jamal Murray is really going to like playing with Thomas Bryant. He's just going to be a guy that uh, Murray's not going to throw a bunch of lobs to him or anything like that, but Thomas Bryant will set good screens. Murray will get free. And if Murray gets doubled, Thomas Bryant is more than capable of finishing above the rim uh, off of a, of a layoff for a dunk, a pass, a pocket pass, whatever you want to call it. And there's enough around him that it, it just makes a lot of sense. Those minutes are going to be so much better now than they were previously. So, uh, what this means for the rotation. We'll go over that in just a little bit, maybe kind of post-conversation uh, here. But I do think that Denver, they're at a good spot. And we can now go over some other moves. Uh, but now we've got to go over the Bones Highland one, I think. Uh, this is one that everybody is a little bit confused about. And I understand why. I do get it. I do understand that the Nuggets at this point... Uh, they didn't know what they were going to do with Bones Highland. They didn't know. They didn't know that this was going to be a problem, but it ended up being a problem. Let's get to that graphic now as Bones Highland is traded to the Los Angeles Clippers for multiple second round picks, 2024, 2025 second round picks. I'm not sure if those are going to be Clippers second round picks or if they're from somebody else, but to me... I know that people are going to be upset with this because trading bones for pieces that aren't going to help you in your rotation, that's bad. It's not a its not a good look for a team trying to compete for a championship. But the message that sort of went out after bones was uh, sort of pulled unceremoniously from the rotation is that Denver didn't need bones. They didn't really need what he was doing on a consistent basis. He had not been playing great defense. He had not been in a good situation for Denver. And they decided to go a different direction. And does it suck that they don't get anything tangible back? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But what I will say is that we, we'll talk about this in uh, kind of the the aftermath of the trade deadline as we have about 22 minutes left until the trade deadline actually sounds. But it does sound to me like Denver could be players in the buyout market where they have other guys that they could sign as free agents that might make sense in trying to go win a title. But what I will say, Denver at this point, I think they've built the nine-man rotation or so that they want for the playoffs. And there could be some flexibility here or there, but the top nine guys are pretty much set. You've got guys like Jamal Murray and you've got your starters. Like that, that's pretty much set. Bruce Brown is set. Christian Brown, I think, has really solidified himself. And I think that Thomas Bryant now is somebody who, depending on how everything fits together, I think he pretty much solidifies himself too. So that's eight guys. And I think uh, I think either Zeke Naji, Flacco Chanchar, or Jeff Green will be your ninth guy. And depending on who it is, depending on what Denver needs at any given point, I think you could absolutely you could absolutely think that that's going to happen. Like it could be Jeff, it could be Zeke, it could be Vlaco. We'll go over the actual specifics of that going forward, but 
Denver doesn't really need a backup point guard. They're not going to... Oh, as we, we get a live thing here, uh, the, the Hornets are trading center Mason Plumley to the Clippers. Source says ESPN uh, coming from Woj. So the Clippers, and we'll, we'll get to this here in a little bit, they, they just acquired Bones Highland. They just traded for Eric Gordon, and they just traded for Mason Plumley. So they are making a whole bunch of moves. And I think that they've seen all of this stuff that's come out from, oh my gosh, they've seen all of this uh, from the Phoenix Suns, from the Los Angeles Lakers. Apparently, Golden State wants OG Ananobi. And now the Clippers are loading up their rotation as well. So, man, it's it's going to be very interesting to see what the Western Conference looks like post-trade deadline, because right now it just looks like an absolute uh, mess. Um, Clippers are trading Reggie Jackson away to Charlotte. So, wow. Okay. Maybe Bones does actually get some rotation time. That, that'll be very interesting. Um, maybe Reggie Jackson could be a buyout guy. Uh, Michael, uh, private chat me that just now. Buyout guy, Reggie Jackson. That sounds pretty good. He's on an expiring contract, and if he does get bought out, then he would be a player that could absolutely be a nice ball handler who doesn't always play for the Nuggets, somebody who could create off the dribble. That seems like a good idea. Um, but yeah, it's gonna, that's going to be very interesting. I, I, uh, I think that that could potentially happen. Um, yeah, so look, back to Bones here for a second. I know that people are, are not super happy about Bones leaving. I know that people are not happy about the value because two second round picks really is nothing. That's not a, that's not a lot. And I do think that Denver could continue to do more. They could continue. Like it, it does sound like they're done at least for trades so far. They made the two that they made. And I would guess that they decide to go a different direction at this point. Uh, maybe in the buyout market, as I mentioned previously. But their nine-man rotation is set. And the skill set that Bones Highland brought, I do not think that it outweighed the weaknesses that he had this year which was making some bad decisions with the ball in his hands and not being versatile enough as a defender or an offensive player to really fit into what the Nuggets wanted him to do when he was on the second unit. They staggered Jamal Murray, who I think everybody has seen with his most recent 30 and 40 point games that he's the dude. He's the guy that everybody knows like he's, you're going to have to fit around him if you're not fitting around Jokic. And Denver needed guys that could fit. They didn't really need guys that could stand out. And I think that the way that Denver is orienting this now, they are wanting a team that can fit around Murray and Jokic specifically. Bones didn't really fit that. He wanted a bigger role. He might get a bigger role. Maybe maybe he explodes. Maybe he does some great things and ultimately becomes a better player than where he was in Denver. But... I got to imagine that the Nuggets are okay with the way things have gone today because I'm sure the Clippers are going to be a threat. They will be a tough matchup for just about anybody, including Denver. But I do think that the Nuggets are confident in who they are. They're confident in the top nine that they have established so far. And I would be shocked if they decide to go a different – or if they if they are really unhappy with where things are at right now. I think that they are good. I think that they are capable. Now, 15 minutes or so away from the trade that actually we've still got about 17. What am I talking about? 17 minutes away from the trade deadline. We do have another trade to talk about. And that was last night. How the Golden State or not Golden State. That was that was an old Kevin Durant team. The Phoenix Suns acquired Kevin Durant, TJ Warren, from the Brooklyn Nets for Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, 2023 first, 2025 first, 2027 first, 2029 first, and a 2028 first round swap. Uh, let's get that graphic up there if we can. Yeah, that's a pretty good team. That is a pretty good quartet if you're talking stars, if you're talking actual very helpful teams. Uh, Chris Paul 
is going to be a great facilitator for what Dev, uh, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre Jordan want to do. And now you've got two guys that are each capable of going off for 40. Booker, Durant, those guys are going to be dangerous. And there's no doubt in my mind that Denver at this point is, is thinking, okay, we have to now watch out for this team. Now, you can't overreact. And I saw a lot of people, and I, I think I fell a little bit victim to that. Everybody was like, okay, well, now we have to pivot. We have to get Kevin Durant stoppers. We have to make sure that everybody in our rotation is capable of switching on Kevin Durant. No, no, that's not really how it works. Uh, Kevin Durant is unstoppable. And he is always going to be a player that gives everybody issues, not just the Nuggets, not just uh, anybody else who, who is in the Eastern Conference. But like, look, last year... Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving got swept, swept by the Brooklyn Nets or by the Boston Celtics, excuse me. And that is a another thing that's capable of happening. Like there's no doubt about it. There is no doubt that Phoenix might fall apart. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that they will have a pretty quick turnaround and we'll be able to really talk about, okay, maybe it's the Nuggets and the Suns in the Western Conference Finals. Maybe it's the Nuggets and the Clippers in the Western Conference semis. Maybe it's the Nuggets and the Warriors in the freaking first round. There's a lot in this Western Conference now that they really have to worry about. Denver can't really worry about anybody else too much. They have to worry about themselves first and foremost and make sure that their team is the best it can possibly be. But I do think that this makes the Suns really dangerous. They are an absolute threat. They were kind of a threat before because I do think that, look, the Suns uh, with Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson were still very good. Like that team, they didn't have as much top end stop as star power as they did now. Like Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant though, and he's clearly a top 10 player in the NBA right now. And he has a case to be top three. Like the dude is still unbelievable. And his abilities in the playoffs, like he's just one of those guys that you are always going to have to worry about, always going to have to try to game plan for. But Denver has a few players on their roster that are capable of switching on to him and at least doing some things. Like Bruce Brown's not going to do that. Jamal Murray, KCP, probably not going to do that. Although KCP is a smart defender, he will probably do some good things. But Aaron Gordon? Probably one of the best possible matchups you can have for a guy like Kevin Durant. Like he's athletic, he's versatile, he is long and uh, willing to work hard in that particular matchup. Michael Porter is not a good defender by any means, but he is long and athletic and capable of contesting at a very high point on various releases. Uh I don't worry as much about Kevin Durant blowing by Michael Porter as maybe others do. That's going to be something to watch, but that will be a very, very interesting matchup for sure if Denver gets to that point. But look, the Suns still have to defend the Nuggets, and the Suns don't really have the personnel to defend the Nuggets. They have like the guy that they were using to guard Jamal Murray for pretty much that entire Christmas Day matchup was Mikhail Bridges. And and Jamal Murray still had a very important fourth quarter in that series or in that game. And Jokic in overtime went for like 45, 15, and 15. Like Denver's still capable of, of going off and doing some crazy things. And while Durant actually does upgrade their health defense, he's not a guy that's going that you're going to put on Jamal Murray and say, yeah, you are going to stop him. Like because he, he can't do that for an entire series or anything like that. He is going to have to take that in doses. And Durant's great, but he's not like a stopper defensively. So I do think that this is going to be a very, very interesting playoffs. This is going to be a very, very interesting matchup between all of these teams. But man, it's going to be crazy. It is going to be a crazy, crazy playoffs. Uh, another, another thing that happened was the Lakers. Pretty big move for them. Lakers acquired D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt from Utah for Russell Westbrook and a 2027 first round pick. Utah also sent Mike Conley to the Minnesota Timberwolves in a deal to try to kind of loop everybody in. And let's get that graphic up there. 
this is an interesting team. This is an interesting move for the Lakers. It doesn't necessarily vault them up into what actually is going on with with uh, with the actual Western Conference. But imagine that starting lineup for just for a second. You've got these three guys along with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good lineup, and it doesn't have enough defense for for like a a point of attack kind of defense, but uh, it, it's still a much better team than what the Lakers had with Russell Westbrook. There's just more there. They have more capability, more versatility, and I think the Lakers are going to be very happy with this move. They only had to give up one first round pick, that 2027 first, and it was top four protected anyway. So it's a it's a very interesting move. I'm surprised that Utah actually did that. Um. Oh wow, the Blazers are trading Gary Payton the second back to the Warriors for five second round picks. <laughs> Let's take that graphic off there. Oh my gosh! Holy cow! Like what is going on? There, there's a. This is this is kind of funny. This is actually really really funny. The the second round picks I haven't talked about it, but but Jay Crowder got traded to Milwaukee for five second round picks and James Wiseman, who like, I guess we can talk about here. James, my James Wiseman with the Warriors was then traded to the Detroit Pistons for five second round picks. And they rerouted Sadiq Bay to Atlanta in that particular deal. But like, I'm not sure why five second round picks has become the going rate because now it looks like Golden State used those five second round picks to then just reroute them to Portland for Gary Payton the second. So that's actually a very interesting thing. They get back Gary Payton the second, who was a very, very important piece to what they did last year. And I mean he's a he's a very strong defender, very, very helpful defender. And he was a guy that I think bothered guys like Will Barton and Monte Morris in the playoffs last year and then killed Denver when they left them open for three. So yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting. So now the Warriors are in on this particular trade deadline. They turned James Wiseman into a helpful player in their rotation this year. So this is something that is going to continue to happen, that that a lot of these teams are going. I haven't even talked about uh, I haven't even talked about the Clippers yet, who what they what they've done so far in these particular uh, trade deadline deals. But man, it's just it's very interesting. Mile High Life tweeting out, Lakers may have some real locker room issues with Malik Beasley and Scottie Pippen. <laughs> that is awesome. That's that's really funny. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, that I mean, that will be a potential issue. There's no doubt in my mind that that has probably been brought up. Um, and they probably brought that up to Malik Beasley when they acquired him. So I wonder if, because uh, Scottie Pippen Jr., is on I, I don't know if I really need to explain this to people. Scotty Pippen Jr. is on um the Lakers right now. I think he's on a two-way contract. And Billy Beasley briefly dated his mother. So that's uh that is a a what what a thing to hold over a teammate. That would be crazy. That would be a, a crazy thing to, to actually have happen and then to talk about. But my God. Um yeah uh Irv tweeted out Wiseman for five second round picks and Bones only deems two. I, I, it's a fair criticism. I'm not going to lie. Two second round picks really is nothing. It is not a lot to really uh, think about actually like getting value for something like that. But I wonder if this was just agreed upon and the Nuggets decided, hey, we're an hour before the trade deadline. Let's just do this. I have to imagine that they canvassed the rest of the market and thought, Let's see what else we can get beyond these two second round picks. They didn't get a damn thing. They didn't get anything, man. Like nobody really wanted Bones. Nobody really did. And the reason why is because he left the lock or he left the bench during a game. I don't remember which game it was. It might have been a New Orleans game, I think, but uh, it was something. It was something like that. But the dude left the bench area and went home. And it reminds me of the Yusuf Nurkic situation. Like, he was unhappy with the way things were going. And that killed Denver's leverage in any deal. 
where if he had just put on a brave face, they could have traded him and he, he would have been privately asking out. Didn't necessarily have to make a stink about it, but he did. And as it turns out, like they, they moved him and, and they, they had to get him out. And that's, that's what they felt like they had to do. And the fact that they settled for two second round picks, I think tells you all that you need to know about what was going on behind the scenes, about how the Nuggets specifically felt about this move. They wouldn't do this if they didn't have good reason to. And I think that that's part of this process. That's just that's how this stuff goes. So, look, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, five second round picks for James Wiseman is pretty wild. Um, Jason asks, really curious, is there a realistic way we re-sign Thomas Bryant next year? Yeah, absolutely. Now, he's only on a one-year deal. He's on a one-year minimum if I'm not mistaken. So the maximum that Denver can give, well, actually, that's a good question. Let me just look this up here really quick. Um, because I do think that if if he is on a two-year deal, then that actually changes what they can give versus if he's on a one-year deal. Um, He is on a one-year contract. So Denver doesn't have his bird rights, I, I don't believe. I think that he's just on like a, a 20% raise kind of deal where you can give a, a small raise. But to me, if Denver wanted to give him more money, the maximum they can actually give him in a raise is the taxpayer MLE, which will be about $7 million a year. They might want to save that for a different role player. They might want to save that for somebody on the market next year. But in my mind, it is a possibility that they re-sign Thomas Bryant. He doesn't like, I think that Bruce Brown's going to get double-digit millions. I don't think that Thomas Bryant will get double-digit millions, and nor is he worth that or anywhere close. It's probably worth close to about, I don't know, $5 million, $6 million. So if Denver wanted to do that for a backup center, then they certainly could. And if he plays the way that he's capable of playing with the Nuggets, then maybe that's a possibility. Um, Okay. We're about three minutes away here as the Nuggets are probably done. They've made their two moves, as we mentioned. You had Bones Highland. Um, and Sorry, this other banner's up here. Uh, you had Bones Highland going to the Clippers for two second-round picks. And then you had Thomas Bryant being acquired for Davon Reed and three second-round picks. So in net, basically, the Nuggets traded Bones Highland and a second, or yeah, Bones Highland, a second-round pick, and Davon Reed for Thomas Bryant. That's what it says right now. You also freed up a roster spot, as we mentioned. So that could be something that ultimately helps. That could be something that Denver decides, hey, we can also get a guy that can get into our playoff rotation. On the buyout market, you would not have been able to do so if you didn't have an open roster spot. So maybe that was part of the calculus here. Maybe that's something that's working behind the scenes. But I do think that Denver at this point is, they're pretty happy with where their rotation stands. This is something that they are perfectly okay with. Um, I think that Denver could go any number of directions on the buyout market if they wanted to. But as Calvin mentions, do the Nuggets go after Pat Bev? Maybe so. Maybe they decide to go get him. I know that there was a comment earlier about how they could potentially go for Reggie Jackson. Uh, Fernando asks if you really like to make a run in the buyout market. Do any names come to mind? Um, not really other than Reggie Jackson and uh, Patrick Beverly. Danny Green is also potentially a guy who could get bought out. He was traded as part of that deal that had the Clippers acquiring Eric Gordon. They also sent Luke Kennard to the Grizzlies, and then the Grizzlies sent Danny Green to the Houston Rockets. So there's a lot of moving parts in that particular move. I don't want to go through all of the ramifications of stuff like that, but I do think that Danny Green could be a guy that Denver goes after. More of a veteran wing, not necessarily somebody that they have to get because they have KCP, they have Bruce Brown, they have Christian Brown, but having another guy that you trust to be able to throw in a playoff rotation, really helpful. 
Like, and, and Danny Green would be somebody that you can trust as long as you can trust his health. So coming off of a torn ACL, very quick recovery for him. We will see what that actually looks like, what actually happens. But in my mind, like, let's talk about the Clippers now. So they trade for Bones Highland. They really give up two second round picks, basically nothing. They trade for Mason Plumley. Uh, they sent Reggie Jackson there to Charlotte. I don't know if they sent anything else. I wonder if it was a if they sent draft capital. They also sent um, they sent out Luke Kennard and John Wall for Eric Gordon. So they have a really interesting team now. It features those three guys along with Kawhi, PG, Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, Marcus Morris, Terrence Mann. Uh, Nick, uh, Ivisa Zubac, they've, they've got a lot of guys. Like that team's really, really good too. And you look at the rest of the Western Conference right now, and you've got the Nuggets, you've got the Suns, you've got the Grizzlies, who may still trade for OG Ananobi as it hits one o'clock right now. And trade deadline, we can, we can do it now. The buzzer sounds, yay, the buzzer is, uh, is there, is here. So there will be, Calls that come through, I'm sure that there will be at least a couple of deals that are still made after the buzzer. Uh, so we'll be able to talk about that for sure. But it would not surprise me if Denver, uh, like they're not Denver specifically, but if other teams decide to go and make some extra moves, it, I would be shocked if OG Ananobi was still on the Toronto. Actually, I wouldn't be shocked about that. But OG Ananobi should not be on the Toronto Raptors anymore after this trade deadline. I would guess that the Grizzlies try to move for him because they acquired Luke Kennard, but they don't really have anything else. I'd be surprised if the Nets kind of stayed pat with all of the guys that they still have on their team after trading Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Like they've got a lot of moving parts that they could still go for. I would be surprised if the Grizzlies stayed pat. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans also traded for Josh Richardson, if that means anything to anybody. Nothing major. I think they sent out Devontae Graham and a couple second-round picks, but uh, they have another guy, another wing that makes sense in their rotation. So Western Conference right now, really loading up with guys, really loading up, and it would not surprise me if uh, – yeah, it would not surprise me if the Western Conference just goes crazy because you've got – all of these teams that are loading up, they're trying to compete with the Denver Nuggets right now at the top of the Western Conference, which is kind of cool. But right now, they're also trying to compete with the Phoenix Suns, who, when you acquire Kevin Durant, that really changes the calculus for just about everybody. Do I think that the Nuggets can match up with the Suns and beat them in a playoff series? Yes, especially if the Nuggets have home court, which they probably will. It's not going to be perfect, and there's no doubt that the Suns could upset the Nuggets. There's no doubt in any of those situations that that could happen. But I do think that at this point, Denver's still in a good position where they could make some great moves, uh, where they could really be a championship contender. And if Denver is at this point where like, they, they feel pretty good about it, they didn't need Bones to be a part of that. They didn't need that. I think they felt good about the group that they had. and. I don't think this trade deadline changes anything. If if anything, it, suppl it supplies it. Where Thomas Bryant is a guy who, say Jokic gets into foul trouble in a game four. Like, Thomas Bryant could come in there and get 10 points and seven rebounds in the minutes that Jokic doesn't play. Like, what are we talking about? This They are capable of doing a lot of different things. And having Jamal Murray playing at the way, at the way that he's playing, the level that he's playing, that is going to be extremely helpful too. So, look, trade deadline. 1.03 p.m. right now is three minutes after. I would be surprised if the Nuggets do anything more. Uh, I think that they are done. I think Mike Singer said that they are done. But, yeah, like, at this stage, it is, uh, is a very, very interesting time for what the Nuggets are, are hoping to do. All right. Unless any trades kind of pop in here, let's do some Q&A. I want to get the, the comment section involved here as we are past the trade deadline. I am curious as to what Nuggets fans are thinking. What are you, what are you guys hoping to hear? What are you guys hoping to uh, 
ask some questions about what is it about the rotation? Is it about the playoffs? Is it about the Western Conference? Is it about the Eastern Conference being mid now? Uh, I, I kept referring to the the Western Conference as mid. That is no longer the truth. Like there is no doubt in my mind that the Western Conference is better than the Eastern Conference. That that ship sailed for sure. Um, it took like what four months. Like they they had they had their run for four months for sure. But man, it does feel like the Nuggets at this point are uh, a part of a, a really really tough road in order to get back to the NBA Finals. It doesn't mean that they can't, but I do think that uh, it'll take some time. All right, let's start with some questions here as they come in. Martin asks, has Vlaco passed Uncle Jeff as the backup four? I think it is possible. I think it's possible that we have a three-person platoon with, for the Nuggets of backup four. If I, in my mind, actually, this is a good time to, to pull this up. I think that Denver's rotation is as follows: Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown, KCP, Christian Brown, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Vlaco Chanchar, Nikola Jokic, Thomas Bryant. That's increasing by size, basically increasing by position. Your starters in that particular graphic or in that particular banner are Jamal, KCP, Porter, Gordon, Jokic. Your bench guys in that particular group are Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Vlaco Chanchar, Thomas Bryant. Now, I don't know if that's what's actually going to happen. I don't know if Michael Malone decides he wants to stick with Jeff Green and really can't quit Jeff uh, because that seems like a thing. That seems like a thing that is definitely happening. Um, but I do think that the Nuggets at this point are, yeah, I think that that is probably the direction that they go with Vlaco. That that would be the guy that I would have in there personally. And if you decide, yeah, like, look, it could be, it could be any particular guys. It could be, it could be Vlaco. It could be Jeff, but I also think that there's an opportunity for Zeke to do it, and I think Fernando hits on it. Um, who do you think the bench front court will be, Bryant Flacco or Bryant Zeke? I think it could be Bryant Jeff. Uh, that is still an option, but Bryant Flacco is probably the one that I think that they go with the most. But if they're looking for better defense, Zeke is probably the guy that you're looking for to switch on to a whole bunch of guys try to just switch everything one through four if you possibly can. And that would be my that would be my guess. Let me read this Woj tweet here real quick. Never turned out to be sellers. Oh, that's so funny. So Adrian Wojnarowski is basically saying, oh yeah, we're, we're not trading OG Ananobi for the Raptors. Uh, we're actually buying and getting Yaka Pertle, which is uh, a very weird thing to do. Like they, they are going to perpetually be mid and that's fine. That is fine. You're you're allowed you're allowed that opportunity. But uh, okay. Calvin asks, did our bench defense get worse? I don't know. I think so, but I I mean you have minutes that are not going to go to Bones Highland anymore, so I think that if you're thinking about it from that perspective, no, I think it got better. Thomas Bryant is not a good defender, but he's surrounded by pretty good defenders with that second unit. Like, hypothetically, if they went with an all-bench second unit of Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Vlaco Chanchar, Zeke Naji, and Thomas Bryant, like, that's not bad. It's not bad at all. Like, you could also do Ish Smith, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Zeke Naji, Thomas Bryant. That would be a great defensive lineup around Thomas Bryant. There's, there's something, to be, something to be said for something like that. Is it going to actually happen? Is it going to – to me, I, I think that Denver could be argued that they're worse just because the center position is going to be most important. But I'm not really surprised that they've gone this direction. I think that the offense that they generate is going to be more helpful because if the opposing team is always taking the ball out of their own basket and you're playing half-court defense as opposed to turning the ball over and playing transition defense, then 
that's a big deal. It's a big, big deal for every single possession. So if you can do that, then that is perfectly reasonable. Um, let's go to, yeah, Martin asks, is Zeke now the defensive specialist for five? Yeah, I would say so. It doesn't mean that he's going to play every time. It doesn't mean that he's never going to play again. But uh, in a particular Phoenix Suns matchup, yeah, I think that Zeke Naji is a very strong matchup against Kevin Durant. It's not like me saying that out loud sounds insane. Like how many guys are actually good defensive matchups against a guy like KD? But Naji has good defensive instincts and he moves his feet really well in the perimeter. Is he going to be able to defend a seven-foot pterodactyl? No, but like nobody is. So all you have to do is try to defend without fouling and contest as many of those shots on the perimeter as you can. And if you get to a point where you're contesting them and, and he doesn't have a lot of space to rise up and fire all the time, then that's at least better than having the space to rise up and fire. So there's something to be said for that. Nemanja asks, what would be the best first round matchup for the Nuggets. This is an interesting one in my mind, uh, just because there aren't great matchups anymore. Like, you look through the Western Conference, uh, even the Lakers, like Denver just made a trade with them, but they also traded Patrick Beverly for Mobamba. They they got the three-team deal that they did. They can always move AD to the five, and that would be a tough matchup for the Nuggets there, uh, at least in various respects. But they're probably the easiest matchup that you you're probably going to come across, but I mean I don't know. Let's let's look through, let's look through this uh, playoff picture here real quick, just to see where everybody is standing. Um, so I'm on a different window here. Hope that doesn't affect anything. Right now, Denver would be slated to face the Minnesota Timberwolves if they came out of the plan. New Orleans, Minnesota, Golden State, and Portland are all in the plan tournament. As of now, like the Clippers are out of it. The Suns are out of it. Dallas is in four. Sacramento's in three. I expect that order to probably shift a little bit, but like maybe Phoenix gets up to three. Maybe they even get up to two. Like they're not that far out of it. They are five losses back of Memphis with about 26 games to go. So it's not impossible for them to make it up, but it's pretty, it's pretty unlikely if Memphis actually gets their shit together. So I think that Denver can do like they'll probably be the one and Phoenix will probably rise up. They'll probably won't be the first round matchup or anything like that. If I had to pick somebody, I'd say Portland, of course, but I don't think that Portland is going to stick. I think that the Lakers are probably going to leapfrog past Portland. I think Utah is obviously tanking. They're perfectly fine getting out of there. OKC is not going to rise up. I don't think, uh, Portland is probably going to fall. Gold. I mean, but, I mean, you never know though. They traded for Matisse Thybulle, and Thybulle's pretty good. He's, he's a pretty good player. So maybe it's the Pelicans. Maybe the Pelicans are the easiest matchup. But that's a team with Zion Williamson. Like it's not nothing. None of these are easy anymore. All of these teams are going to be pretty tough. So I think you run in like maybe it's Sacramento. If we're being honest, Sacramento at three. Maybe they tumble down the standings as all of these other teams have gotten better. But you never know. I do think that if I were picking one, it would be Portland, if that was possible. Then I'd probably say New Orleans. I'd probably say the Lakers. Then I'd probably say, well, actually, I'd probably say Sacramento, then the Lakers. But yeah, I mean, none of these are easy, man. Like It's, it's going to be a tough road no matter what. Um, let's see. Other questions here. I'm looking to see if there are any other trades that have been made, but nothing looks like it's gone through. Uh, I think the Warriors are probably having one last run at it this year by the looks of it. Like Woj just tweeted out five minutes ago that they are saving roughly $7 million in luxury tax this year on today's trades and $30 million in 2023-24. So when you're getting tweets from insiders about saving luxury tax for the Warriors, like that's a pretty notable thing. That's a pretty, pretty notable, notable thing going on. So maybe the Warriors just collapse. Maybe they're the team that Denver wants to play in the first round, but that sounds insane. Um, Fernando asks, uh, 
or he doesn't really ask. The Nuggets have flexible options now to play big or small along with they can play they can add offense and defense when needed. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the thing, right? Denver's starting lineup is great. It's nearly perfect. There are some weaknesses, but it might be the best starting lineup in the entire NBA. There's at least an argument to be made there. I do think that having options behind them in Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Zeke Naji, Thomas Bryant, Vlako Chanchar, Jeff Green, Ish Smith is somebody else that they can throw in there depending on the situation. And let's say they do add somebody like a, I don't know, a Patrick Beverly, a Reggie Jackson, somebody like that. A, a guy like that could be helpful because they've been in big playoff moments before. So we'll see what the bench ultimately looks like, but you're right. Having the flexibility to go offense or defense in a lot of these different matchups is a good thing. You want as many two-way players as you possibly can get, but that's really hard. And I think at that point, Denver only really trusts six guys, maybe seven. But having options is better than not having options. Brent says, feels like our bench issue was no scoring and not stopping scoring for a while there. Can't have both issues. Yeah, I mean they they were a horrible bench. Like let's be let's be frank about it. Denver's bench was not very good, and and any time the Jokic stepped off the floor, they were horrible. Now when you took off Jokic and Bones, Denver actually was able to do some things. Uh, the Jamal Murray Zeke Naji pairing without Jokic and Bones was pretty good, and Denver being able and willing to do that and go to that was a good thing. Now you have a Jamal Murray Thomas Bryant pick and roll, and you surround those guys with shooting. Sure. That sounds great. That sounds like a good thing for this Nuggets bench. There's no way that they uh, get much worse than that. Like There will be some bad defensive moments, but I think that Denver would prefer – actually, there, there, is some ar- there is some argument to be had about them preferring to go offense in those moments or defense in those moments. I think that they should probably be prioritizing offense just because you never want to stop scoring. The worst thing you can do – as a unit, is just score four points in six minutes. Like it just puts so much pressure on the rest of your team, and there's just a lot to there's a lot to figure out. So I do think that having at least various things that they can go to is a good idea. Aaron says Nuggets defense is screwed if AG gets hurt or gets in foul trouble in the playoffs. Um, maybe, like maybe. It, it it depends on the matchup, right? Like against KD, sure. Like you you you, what are you gonna? Who are you gonna defend KD with if it's not gonna be Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter, Zeke Naji, Flacco Chanchar? This is a tough thing. This is one of the reasons why I wanted them to stay aggressive, and why I think everybody wanted them if they were gonna trade Bones to trade him for somebody that that could could at least credibly guard KD. I thought the Precious Achua would be a really good fit. As it turns out, that wasn't viable because like, the Raptors weren't selling, apparently. But I do think that it's going to be very fascinating to watch what Denver's defense looks like. AG is very important. KCP is very important. But the good thing is, is that Denver, they have a lot of guys that are bought into doing the right thing and are capable of doing the right thing on the defensive end. This isn't something where Denver is just uh, grasping for straws defensively. Ante says, does Phoenix having to move the ball less in their offense bode well for Denver's defense systematically? It's a good point. And it's one thing that if you were if you were looking for a glass half full look for this particular matchup between Phoenix and Denver, you'd think, okay, the, the offense is probably not going to move the ball as much with a bunch of isolation guys on their team. They, they want to play it slower. KD is capable of moving faster. He's capable of moving in a kind of a ball movement, player movement kind of system. And they did some of that with the with the Nets too. But the easiest thing that those guys are going to be able to go to consistently to get off good shots is going to isolations, to post-ups, to pick and rolls. Not as much motion, not as much play calling. It's going to be tough for those guys to get up to snuff. But like, look, Kevin Durant's been doing this for a long time. He's a professional scorer. And is it better for Denver's defense? Sure. Is it good? No. Like, Denver's not going to be able to stop Phoenix no matter what. So that's going to be that's going to be a tough matchup no matter what. Um, 
truth teller says bones can be out of the rotation in the playoffs and next season he's going to be better and then you can trade it for more and you can wave ish now for the spot this doesn't make sense at all uh what i'm what i'm saying is that it did make sense if you knew it did make sense like there there's stuff behind the scenes that like denver felt the need to make a move i know from the outside looking in it doesn't feel like that but they felt like it did so it comes down to whether you trust the organization on this and whether you trust Calvin Booth. I I trust Calvin Booth. Like the moves that he's made so far have been really good. They've been really helpful. This team has improved and put themselves into position where they could really be a championship contender. So if you don't trust it, I understand. I don't agree. I think that's perfectly reasonable what they did, even though it sucks. Um... Martin asks again, is it advisable to keep using Murray with the bench lineups given his need for rest? Do you see less staggering of the starters for the rest of the season? Actually, a very good point. Um, let's see. Uh, Mark Stein just tweeted something. Nope, nothing nothing major there. Um, I think that it is advisable for Denver to kind of wait a little bit and, and not go as super heavy on the minutes. I think that Jamal, given the right knee inflammation that he's struggling with, he's currently questionable with right knee inflammation heading into this game tonight in like three and a half hours, which isn't really tonight. It's East East Coast game against Orlando. Uh, we'll be podcasting after that, by the way, with uh, with Matt Moore uh, of HP Basketball on Twitter. So make sure to tune in for that. We'll probably spend a little bit of time on the game, but we will also be talking about this trade deadline and, and any extra juicy intel that he has. So make sure to tune in for that one later tonight. Should start at about 930 Mountain. But I do think that Denver at this point, uh, there is a good there's a good chance that they decide to uh, play less minutes staggering, that they go ish, Christian Brown, Bruce Brown, let's go Zeke Naji and uh Thomas Bryant, something like that. Or maybe it's Vlatko and Thomas Bryant. Or maybe they try, like, no Thomas Bryant at various points, and they still kind of go with uh, with no actual traditional backup center. But there are ways that they can do it, and there are ways that the team can still win. It's not going to be perfect, but I honestly think that as Denver kind of moves on, as they put themselves into a different situation where they don't have to think about bones, they don't have to think about trying to fit him in, that's going to be fine. Like the team is professional. They will move on and they will put themselves into a position where, yeah, Ish is going to be asked to do a little bit more. That's good. That's a, that's a good thing. I, I don't see him as, I don't see that as a problem, especially in the regular season. But the playoffs roll back around. Yeah, Martin, I think it's a good idea to ramp those minutes back up and play him 36 minutes a night. I think that that's probably the right call in a playoff series. In the regular season, it's not the right call. I think most importantly, Denver should be trying to keep his minutes under 35 as often as possible. So we will see if that actually happens, but let's keep it moving. Got some more questions. Alexander asks, give us the percentage prediction that Denver will be champions this year. I think 80% is possible. 80% is ambitious, my friend. That seems uh, that seems like a lot. Uh, given that Phoenix just traded for Kevin Durant, it's very possible that Denver doesn't uh, that they don't get out of the West, and that would suck. That would be that would be a horrible thing. It'd be a tough pill to swallow for sure. But I do think that if I was to give a percentage prediction, hmm, hmm, I think there is a we'll call it a thirty-five percent chance that the Nuggets get out of the West. I think that there is a 30% chance that Phoenix gets out of the West. So that's 65 right there. I think that there is a 10% chance that Memphis gets out. So that's 75. And I think that there is a, call it 10% chance that the Warriors get out of the West. So that's 85. And then 15% for the rest of the field. I think that those are the teams that can really get out of there. And maybe the Clippers are another team that you could really handicap. But I think that there's a lot of teams that can see themselves doing it. There's a lot of teams that can that are, are building up assets, that are building up uh, players. 
and and stockpiling an actual playoff rotation to match up with Jokic, to match up with uh, Durant and the Suns now, which sounds very weird. Um, But, like, I don't think the Denver – like, I think the Denver is probably not the favorite anymore. I would have them as the favorite because I believe in Jokic. I believe in what Denver's built. But I think a lot of people are – like, if they were going to argue, I think that – the Suns would probably be the team that they'd have. They, they'd probably say, oh, yeah, Suns are like 50-50 to get out of the West, which that's a lot. That is, that is a, a major chance. So hypothetically, Alexander, if I if I put the Nuggets at, what did I say, 30%, then I'd say that they have a 15% chance to win the championship because once you get to the NBA Finals, it's about 50-50. Like they could match up with the Celtics and be fine. They could match up with the Sixers and be fine. They could match up with the Bucks and be great. They could match up with the Sixers and be not fine if that matchup wasn't if it didn't work out. So, look, there's a lot to there's a lot to go over with it. But the good news for Denver is that they have just about as large of a chance as anybody. Uh, the problem is that now the East is really really easy, and between the Bucks, the Sixers, and um, what else am I thinking of? The Celtics. Like those three teams make up about a hundred percent of the likelihood of it, of the Eastern Conference representative. So they're going to have a much more higher likelihood in general of making and then winning the finals just by math. So is what it is. Uh, Chris asks, Ryan, I missed your assessment on Bones uh, thoughts. I yeah, look, it's tough. I don't think that it's a great situation. I think that Denver found themselves in a bad place where Bones was very unhappy with his role. He was very unhappy with how he was being treated. Uh, I think that Denver at this point is happy with going a different direction. I don't think that they wanted to go a different direction in general, but they were kind of forced into that situation. In my mind, I think that this is fine. I don't see Bones as a guy that was really going to change the playoff prediction for the Nuggets. Could he have changed one game? Maybe. Could he have changed two games? Probably not. Could he have been the weak link in various games as a defensive liability? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think that he was going to play a whole heck of a lot. And as teams, like this is what happens when you get to be a really good team. The Warriors last year didn't feel the need to pick on Bones in the playoffs because they could score on just about everybody on the floor, whether it was Bryn Forbes, whether it was uh, DeMarcus Cousins when when he was out there, whether it was Austin Rivers, who was a a good defensive player for Denver, but not exactly a stopper in the way that a guy like KCP is or Bruce Brown is in a lot of ways. Now that you add guys like a Bruce Brown, like a Christian Brown, like a KCP, Michael Porter has shown signs of improvement defensively. Aaron Gordon is still there. Jamal Murray is a better defender than Monte Morris. It really highlights how different Bones is as a defender. And so all of those teams are then going to see that, are then going to look at the scouting report and think, why don't we just attack the small dude and go at him defensively? And that is what would happen. That's why it would happen a whole heck of a lot. He would foul. He would get frustrated. He would be overwhelmed. And that's what happened during the regular season. I don't see why it would be different in the playoffs. And that's tough. Is second round picks, two second round picks really much of anything? No, no, absolutely not. But I do think that Denver at this point were like, they were always going to be in this tough situation with him. Like he wasn't ever going to be a great fit with Denver's final form. It was always kind of a Hail Mary didn't really make sense in my mind when they drafted him. I was pretty critical, actually, when they drafted him and then got got a lot of hate for it. Although I, I think I kind of made up for that. Like I considered him a Jordan Clarkson, Jamal Crawford type, somebody who, uh, a Lou Williams type even, who is really good and really helpful during the regular season, but then gets played off the floor in the playoffs. And that is what happened, except he got played off the floor in the regular season. So it's tough. It's frustrating. I I don't like it. I wish it had worked out. But I think that, yeah, and as Renato says here, 
Uh, do you think that Bone, that Malone benching Bones like that cut his trade value? Yeah, I think it probably didn't help. But the more important thing was Bones walked out of the arena and walked out of and just went back to the locker room and everybody found out. Like everybody found out that that was a thing. So look, it's tough. It's never something that you want to see, but Denver's going to be okay. They still have a lot of talent. Um, and thank you, Martin, for uh for being a real one, King. Thank you very much. Um, all right. Ghazi says, Bruce, Christian, Ish, and even Chanchar gave Nuggets more than Bones this year. The Nuggets are a good or the Clippers are a good home for Bones. We'll see. We'll see if the Clippers are a good home. I think this is a good flyer that they are taking. And they did trade Reggie Jackson. So maybe this is something where they decide, yeah, we can we can take that chance because we like the idea of Bones kind of being a gunner off the bench. Uh, maybe that does happen. I don't know. What I will say is that Denver, I think at this point, didn't need that. Like their their actual group together needed defense and the Clippers group needed offense. Their offense is actually not very good. They don't have a lot of creativity, especially when uh, both Kawhi and PG go to the bench or when only one of them is on the court. They just don't have a lot that they go to. So Bose could be a guy that really helps them. We will see if uh, yeah, we'll we'll see if they decide to do something different. But I don't think he's going to be a part of their rotation at least initially. But maybe that changes. Um, Nemanja says the problem was not trading him. The problem was for what we traded him. Yeah, I mean, look, maybe they could have held on to him and and traded him for nothing and sat him for the entire season, and maybe his trade value would have been higher in the off season. But if you didn't think that that was at least a possibility. And if you decided, hey, we are instead going to just move forward, then I'm not really surprised that this is the direction that they went. And it's tough. Like I, I know that fans are are upset about the value of it, the order of operations on it. But I, I posed this to Michael before I hopped on here. If you traded Bones Highland for two second round picks and Patrick Beverly, would it be different? And if the answer is yes, then you are a, then you are hoping in my mind for you're hoping for a buyout guy. You're hoping for somebody who could really be helpful on the buyout market. A Patrick Beverly, a Danny Green maybe. John Wall is going to be a buyout guy. Reggie Jackson's going to be a buyout guy. So there's going to be a lot of potential options for Denver to actually go for and and maybe he um Maybe Bones wouldn't have been the right fit over any of those veterans that I just listed. What I do know is that a lot of those guys, whether it's a Reggie Jackson, a John Wall, a Danny Green, or a Patrick Beverly, like they would all be better fits in my mind, just because some of them are also comfortable not playing. Like they'd prefer to play, but they've also been a part of veteran locker rooms for a long, long time. And I know that those guys can fit into a basketball culture. They can fit into what a championship team wants to do. I'm still learning about that with Bones. Still trying to figure out what he does uh, to really add to that culture. Like he's he's fun. He is still looking for his own self. Like he's trying to earn his living. And that is perfectly understandable. But could Patrick Bradley be helpful? Yeah. Could Danny Green be helpful? Absolutely. I think Nuggets fans have to be patient on this one. The Nuggets aren't going to go into – like they're not going to go into the playoffs with 14 roster spots, especially when one of those roster spots has DeAndre Jordan on it. Like they are going to use it. We will see. Um, It looks like there aren't going to be any more trades. That is my guess. My guess here – uh, just based off of the timing of this, we are now past the hour mark on this particular show. It is 1.34, and it looks like to me that Denver is done, that a lot of other teams are done, and we will see what the buyout market looks like, but I have to imagine that that will be the next part of this conversation. It's going to be very interesting to see, going to be very interesting to see what the Nuggets decide to do and how things continue to go. As I mentioned before, your starters are still intact. You have Jamal Murray, KCP, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. 
It's the best starting lineup in the NBA. You have a bench now that is defensive-minded, but you also have this big man in Thomas Bryant who can get you some buckets in the post, who can get you some buckets on the short roll and, and be an offensive rebounder, somebody who's just a beast down there. And maybe that helps Denver kind of mitigate some of the offensive problems that they were having. That was the one thing, I think, because DeAndre Jordan, not necessarily a threat, like he's not necessarily a guy that, that you can really go to in a lot of different situations. Thomas Bryant is a guy that you can throw the ball to and expect him to get a bucket. And he will on the pick and roll, on a on a rebound, on anything. Like he is just going to be very, very effective, very, very efficient. So that is a big thing for at least the regular season and maybe even the playoffs too. So having him as part of your mix, a part of the group that you're wanting to have is going to be very, very helpful for this Nuggets team. So I am looking forward to it. I don't know if there's anything else left left to cover. Um, what do you think, Michael? Do you think there's anything left else left to cover? I think uh, I think we're good. All right. Well, if that is the case, folks, I think I'm going to wrap up here. We, we've been going for about an hour. I expected that we would have a little bit more to talk about with some of the buzzer beater trades, uh, but that didn't really ever manifest in a big way. OG Ananobi looks like he's staying put in Toronto. Pascal Siakam, same thing. Uh, a lot of the moves happened earlier than the trade deadline. I, obviously, all of them happened earlier than the trade deadline, but not up at the buzzer. I, so kind of surprised by that. But either way, I think that is going to do it. Let's hit the outro music, uh, Michael. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, everybody. Brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Everybody, thanks for hanging out with me. This was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed my time. Hopefully, you enjoyed uh, being able to talk to other folks in the chat and just being able to talk about what happened with the Snuggets group. I know that this is going to be a polarizing trade deadline, but I do think that the Nuggets at this point got better, and that is all you can really ask for. We'll see if they can win the title. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll talk to you guys later tonight. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.